I guess you have to be under four feet tall to be a hero in a Lucasfilm because they seem to have a habit of uh, saving the day, if you will. There was a podcast called The Sequel Cast that talked about movies. Movies. And they also talked about something else called boobies. Boobies. It's The Sequel Cast. Oh yeah, the sequel cast. It's the sequel cast. www.sequelcast.com. Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a podcast looking at movie franchises one movie at a time. We're in the middle of looking at uh, different Indiana Jones pictures, with uh, this episode focusing in particular on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. I am your host, Uncle Milkshake. With me is Thrasher. Hello, everybody. And a special guest, guest Mitch Halleck of the IndieCast and uh, TheRaider.net. Hello, everybody. Uh, listeners might recognize Mitch from, well, the IndieCast, as I just said, but he was also, <laughs> he'll be on the various Indiana Jones episodes we'll be doing here on the uh, sequel cast. So uh, thanks for coming on again, Mitch. My pleasure, sir. And uh, Temple of Doom, I, I was reading, there's a several-page thread on uh, your site, TheRaider.net, about yes, what people like about Temple of Doom and what people hate about it. I think yeah. it's certainly uh, the most controversial Indiana Jones film out there. Well, oh, yeah, oh, before, crystal before the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, you, you get the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, yeah, until the Crystal Skull, right. Well, do you want to start on why that is or what people think? Or how, where do you want to go? You're the host. I'm the guest. Sure. Uh, <laughs> let me, uh, I guess we can talk about when our experience is first watching this movie and then kind of go on from there. Uh, with me, Temple of Doom, you know, I actually did not see Temple of Doom until after I saw Last Crusade. I had lived overseas. I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark on video, and then I saw Last Crusade on video several years later, and that was a favorite movie of my dad. And, uh, you know, one day we're at the uh, Blockbuster video, back when those were still around, uh-huh. and on the TV they were showing the scene where uh, Indiana Jones and Short Round and uh, Willie Scott or on the uh, the blow-up raft falling out of the uh, airplane onto the snow. And my dad thought they'd made a new Indiana Jones movie. He didn't recognize what that was from. And so we all rented Temple of Doom. And so that wasn't until... Uh, and I didn't see this movie until the late 90s. So it was fairly late for me watching uh, watching this one. Uh, Thrasher? Uh, this This was actually the very first Indiana Jones film I ever saw. I think I think I was six years old or so, and it had started. Uh, my family had recently gotten cable, and it was coming on HBO. And I watched this every time it came on. I really, really enjoyed this movie as a kid, uh, and and I, and really, actually, I still do. I mean, it's, it's for all of its flaws, it's a very, very fun movie, and uh, I actually uh, had no idea. Like so, I, I saw I saw Raiders second. I had no idea this was meant to be a a prequel to Raiders, but apparently I saw the films in their chronological order. <laughs> uh, Mitch, how about yourself? Well, I'm old enough to say I was there playing hooky from school that day, and on May 23rd, 1984, I was first in line, first day, first show, the whole works. And I had already seen Raiders and fallen in love with it back in '81, so I was raring to go. Last summer before this was. Uh, the Return of the Jedi, Ooh. and being a Lucasfilm baby, I was all set to see the next adventure of the new hero from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, and bang, I was there front row watching uh, Indiana Jones back in action. So, a little surprised, because a lot of the characters that I had fallen in love with mm. weren't in this movie, and I think that'll lead into the discussion on why some fans don't like it, or some fans do like it, because of the direction it took. Right, I mean, you look at... Temple of Doom, I do think out of all four Indiana Jones uh, feature films, it is the one that is perhaps the most unique, probably the one that isn't necessarily trying to remake Raiders in some sense. Right, right. And part of it, I think just the setting being in uh, in India and in, in, in this Temple of Doom uh, with the elephants and all these things, it is a more foreign location for uh, Western audiences than mm-hmm. sort of the South American jungles, or are you going against the Nazis, or are you going against the Russians, or are you going against the killer ants, or whatever it is. 
in the other movies. So I think that's something that makes it more for it. And I think you're right, that this is a sequel that was a prequel. I mean, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is one of the first examples of that, where it is a prequel, but it doesn't even matter. Like, it couldn't have been a sequel, or it couldn't have... You know, there isn't much, I think... You wouldn't well, notice you know, this was a prequel unless you pay attention to the years at the beginning of this and at the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, you know what's funny is that I didn't, because uh, like, I, I did not know that this was a prequel, me- meant to be a prequel until very recently. And so when I start when I saw Raiders and, and, and Last Crusade, uh, I thought that this I thought that this film was supposed to take place after Raiders, and I just thought that you know that Indiana Jones got really depressed about losing the Ark of the Covenant, so he decided to go on sabbatical <laughs> and just fall off. Yeah, a little bit and of an this, identity crisis. Yeah, yeah. This was just like his grieving period. Was this movie? Well, the backstory behind the whole reason for the direction. There's two types. You got to remember, Steven Spielberg never did a sequel before this. And even though Jaws 2 had come out, he had no involvement with that directly. And he has talked about, uh, you know, the things fans expect from any sequel, not just Raiders of the Lost Ark or Star Wars. You know, they come in and they, they want to see the same group of characters and they want to have almost the same experience as they did in the first film that they fell in love with. And just like, you know, your first time on a roller coaster or your very first love, you're never going to recapture that 100%. So the thought of... A prequel opens a new door because you're not going to have Sala. You're not going to have Marcus Brody. You're not going to have Marion Ravenwood. You're going to have a totally new set of characters come into the storyline. So you are almost creating a new movie, but you do have that central character. And George Lucas has the habit, or he did at the time, his second picture, like the Empire Strikes Back sequel to A New Hope, was more of a darker story. And he says that he wanted that same type of progression for the Indiana Jones character, where he would venture into a darker situation. And in his personal life, as we find out years later, um, Mr. Lucas was going through a divorce from Marsha Lucas, and he's even said sometimes he thinks some of the uh, things that were going on in his personal life kind of creeped into the ideas of uh, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and almost set more of a darker tone or a darker mood because that's what he personally was feeling, um, and it just crept into the storyline. So Spielberg's divorce didn't happen until after this No, not this Spielberg, film? George Lucas. Okay, George Lucas. But Spielberg yeah. later had a divorce and married uh, Kate, Capshaw. Kate Capshaw. Who was right, he was married to actress Amy Irving prior to that. Time. I see, right. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, you know, Temple of Doom, something I, I think that it does well is it has a, uh, a sidekick character that's a kid, in this case Short yep. Round, who's yep. not that annoying. And I feel <laughs> the chemistry between Harrison Ford... And um, Jonathan K. Kwan, yeah, the guy that plays Short Round, is much better than the chemistry between Harrison Ford and Kate Capshaw, who plays Willie Scott. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. He's definitely on Indy's equal, uh, Short Round is. And if you watch the movie, you start to notice that Short Round saves Indy's life (laughs) more times than you'd want to count. He's almost the R2-D2 of the Indiana Jones. Like, R2 basically (laughs) saves our heroes in Star Wars, Short Round's. I guess you have to be under four feet tall to be a hero in a Lucasfilm because they seem to have a habit of uh, saving the day, if you will. But I agree <laughs> with you totally on that there. Kihu Kwan or Jonathan Kihu Kwan is a, a star in his own right, and no acting experience whatsoever came mm-hmm. to an open casting call, uh, came from this country from Vietnam, uh, had some trouble with the dialogue. They kind of fed his lines off camera sometimes, and Spielberg would talk to him because, again, he's not, he's not a movie actor. He's not an actor per se. He's just a kid. And his uh, exuberance and his spunkiness that made him just rush to the top of the line and want to be the first one there uh, got him the part. Yeah, that is one of the, the real strengths of the short round character is of all the over-the-top pulp adventure action going on in this film, he does, he does really feel like a real kid. He, he could, the short round could just as easily be one of the kids in the audience watching this movie. Although one thing that I, I do I do notice, or this was this was even in my mind as a kid when uh, you know short round you know tagging along with Indiana Jones as he goes on another globe trotting adventure, does short round not have parents? No, they got killed. It's uh, oh, okay. Briefly, they were killed when the China, uh, the Japanese bombed Shanghai because this is before the war, obviously, and uh, that's what happened to uh, short round's parents. He's basically a street urchin who Indy finds. Um, kind of pickpocketing himself, or pickpocketing Indy, basically. And that's yeah. how he becomes uh, involved with mm-hmm. Dr. Jones. 
I mean, also with this storyline of this, we talked a little bit about video games last time. There was a, a PlayStation 2 on an Xbox game called Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb. And some of that feeds into this movie a little bit in that uh, uh, one of your sidekicks in there is, I don't remember the character's name, but it's the sort of, the older Asian man that's his sidekick that gets shot at the very beginning. Yeah, the Wuhan, night. that's the um, the waiter. That's right, the, the waiter. The yes. and, uh, and he's a character from that uh, video game. So that's sort yeah. of an interesting thing. And there's also talk on the Raider.net, I'm not sure if this was ever considered canon or not, isn't there a young Indiana Jones episode that's supposed to try and tie into this? Yeah, the treasure of the eye of the peacock. What they did is the diamond that you see, Lao Shea, who's the gangster that Indy's having the uh, deal with in the beginning of the film there, and he eventually poisons Indiana Jones. That diamond, when he says the deal was for the diamond, that is supposed to be the same diamond that appears in the young Indiana Jones episode years later, and they went back and they, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Retconned retconned it into the Indiana Jones continuity there, and uh, that's supposed to be Alexander the Great. There was a, I can't remember the whole thing, but it was a diamond that was in some statue that they, they searched for in the Young Indy show, and that was one of the better Young Indy episodes, I have to say, because it was a very Raiders-esque type of adventure. There were some snakes, and I remember he reached in to get the, the diamond, and there was a tarantula or a snake going by. It's been a while since I've seen that one, but that was a, a very good adventure that you didn't see a lot on the Young Indy Show. But yes, to answer your question in a roundabout way, that is supposed to be the diamond he lost as a kid, and he was trying to recover it again that night in Shanghai in 1935. So, Mitch, when you saw this in the theater, you get all excited, you sit down to watch an Indiana Jones picture, and it yeah. opens up with a, a Cole Porter show tune <laughs> in Mandarin. Yeah, what, do you yeah. think, what do you think at that moment? Uh... <laughs> I didn't know, you know, the song, you got to think about the song, even though it's in Mandarin Chinese, it says, it's anything goes. Yeah. But as a kid, I literally thought I was in the wrong movie because back then <laughs> in the early 80s, there was another film by with Steve Martin called Pennies from Heaven, which was yeah, a musical yeah. as well. And I was like, what's going on here? You know, this is nothing that I imagined. Even to this day, when I see that opening number, people ask me, they go, was that a dream sequence? Because, you know, it turns into this elaborate stage and all those dancing girls are doing the kicks and, and Willie Scott runs out with that big red scarf. And you're like, where did that open up? It's like Doctor Who's TARDIS. It's a small little nightclub. <laughs> and suddenly we kick into this Busby Berkeley. You're surprised there's not water fountains and girls diving into it, you know? And then it comes back into reality. So folks were like, what was that? And I just always go back into it. Like, I think they're trying to tell you in the beginning of the movie anything goes it's, mm. it's just going to be one non-stop roller coaster ride comic book so just get ready sit in your seat put the lap bar down buckle your belt and let's go don't don't sit there and try to analyze this thing because you're not going to find any logical sense and and then you'll see that of course a couple of minutes later when we have a life raft falling out of an airplane and then falling <laughs> off a cliff and then falling into the water and you get the idea well, like that whole opening sequence was sort of the, the shootout in the nightclub and the yep. opening show tune. Reminds me a lot of the Spielberg film 1941. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a sequence in there where there's like a, I haven't seen the film like in 10 years, but there's like a jitterbug contest where we're all dancing yep. Yep. and chaos breaks out and I think some guns go off or a fist fight breaks out. And it's it's directed in a similar way and it's going for that same style of the rat-a-tat-tat uh, dialogue you'd see in the older yeah. movies. Yeah, I, I I don't know. You know, I was watching some of that documentary about Temple of Doom that's on the DVD set, and they talk about how George Lucas wanted there to be a musical number, and, and Steven Spielberg's like, well, I might not ever get the chance to direct a musical sequence in my career. Yeah. So, so let's do it. So, I mean, I don't know. It's. It, I like that freewheeling attitude, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. as Indy says, he makes it up as he goes along, and it's nice to see his creators have the same idea. It's funny you mentioned 1941. I remember the tank. Uh, chase sequence where it goes through a paint factory yeah. and it's covered in paint and then it goes through a turpentine factory uh, that makes it squeaky clean and you're like I, I'm glad they didn't put that sequence in uh, <laughs> Temple of Doom because that would really be pushing it but uh, you know what's funny you mentioned that opening sequence there with the whole chase and the giant gong Yeah, that's actually a borrowed scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark they were oh, going to okay. do that originally in Raiders where he was looking for the headpiece of the Staff of Ra and it was in two pieces and he does a shortcut before he reunites with Marion and he has to get uh, a piece of the headpiece that's in some warlord's type of temple thing. And there's two samurai guards, and he engages in a big fight with them. And there's a rolling gong and all that. So they kind of picked that sequence out of that Raiders um, 
unused idea and incorporated it there. And there's a couple other sequences, we'll talk about that later on, that pops up in Temple of Doom that were actually originally planned for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, and Spielberg kind of did that later with uh, the Jurassic Park sequel, The Lost World. It used some sequences that were supposed to be in the first movie, and indeed some were exactly from the first book, uh, Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. So, um, But, Thrasher, we've talked about the characters a bit, but what do you think about Kate Capshaw as uh, Willie Scott? Well, she, she, she's easy on the eyes, but I remember <laughs> even, as a, even as a kid... I'm like, why is she, why is she on this adventure? Yeah, she like the only the only thing I really I I really re, re, the only scene the two scenes with her that always stand out in my mind is one is when Indy is stuck in that room where the walls are closing in and there's like a switch that she has to to reach to yeah. stop the booby trap and it's covered in bugs and she's just doing nothing but panicking and, and then the scene where like Indy comes into her room. And she thinks he's there to seduce him, and he's really looking for like secret passages, like you do. And and it's weird. It's it's because that that scene. It's like they're trying to recreate a kind of farcical scene from the the golden age of Hollywood, where there's a delightful there's a delightful misunderstanding involving being in the wrong person's bedroom. But it, it, something about those kinds of scenes, they don't seem to they don't seem to work in color. They work best in black and white. You know, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it does. Uh, I think Kate Capshaw, I, I was watching this movie and I was thinking, what other actress would I rather see in this part? And uh, I immediately thought of uh, Carrie Fisher, you know, who was Princess oh. Leia in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, and and yeah. you would take that same dialogue in Temple of Doom and not change it. And that back and forth is very similar to what's going on between uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia in Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. as far as tone goes. And, uh, and these writers that did this film... Uh, Willard Yuck and Gloria Katz, you know, they've been friends of Lucas for a long time. They worked at yep. American Graffiti. They did uh, uncredited rewrite work on the original Star Wars. And, and Howard later, the Duck. And Howard the Duck, yeah, later did that in a movie called Best Defense involving Dudley Moore in a tank, I believe. Yes, and uh, Kate Capshaw <laughs> and Eddie Murphy. Oh, how about that? Uh. Kate Capshaw again. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've had their ups and downs, too, but something about Kate Capshaw doesn't quite work. She certainly tries. Yeah, it's difficult. You know, it's not as deep or as complex as a character in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think most of the characters you see in Temple of Doom don't have those layers. They don't have as many character moments in the whole mm-hmm. movie as, as uh, Raiders did. This one is almost more like a modern picture, especially later on, where it's action, 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 and you barely get a moment to breathe. Well, the the character Willie Scott is so far removed from the character of Marion Ravenwood Again, as we said, they're trying to go for a different approach. If you had the same type of character like Marion, but you had a different actress, the audience would say, well, why didn't you just go back mm, and yeah. get Karen Allen again? So in her defense, Kate Capshaw, I think she's even spoken about that, she talks about how Willie Scott is this pampered singer who you know comes from the other end of the, the other side of the tracks, if you will. She's not you know having a drinking contest and punching out Sherpas like Marion, but eventually through the adventure... She proves herself a little gutsy, again, very whiny and screamy, but she's more of comic relief, if anything, you know, when she passes out later on during the dinner sequence, and like you guys said, with the, the whole bug thing, and I just remember uh, folks getting a chuckle out of her. I don't remember them hating her as much as they did years after the movie came out. People talked about, oh my God, that woman drives me nuts, and she's so shrill and stuff, and I, we talk about when you say it's very controversial, the Temple of Doom, when you look back at the indie films. I don't remember there being so much of a backlash at the time for the movie from fans. I do know there was a whole thing with the violence, and we could talk about that. But Willie Scott, it, again, it just seemed like when you go to a James Bond movie, they're not the same characters from movie to movie. You'll get Felix Slider, you'll get M and Moneypenny, but you'll get a whole cast of new villains and new femme fatales and new Bond girls that are nothing like the previous one. And it seems to be not a problem for James Bond, but for some reason, Willie drives people crazy when it comes to uh, the indie films. She's not strong. She's not a double-fisted heroine, you know. You know, I think maybe people are harder on uh, Kate Capshaw as Willie Scott because there's not as many Indiana Jones movies as there are James Bond movies. Right. You have less to pick from, so you've got to be a bit more critical. Um, you know, I, I do not think Willie Scott is the Jar Jar Binks of no, the Indiana no, Jones no. Oh, series. I think no. if no. I don't think... I knew you'd say that. Uh, I knew you were going to... I was going to say, it's Mott Williams, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, 
if anything, the character of Willie Scott is almost like a female Woody Allen. Might be another way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of neurotic. Yeah, yeah. But, that that is that would be a, a very interesting movie if they went that way. What would that sound like, Thrasher? <laughs> oh, jeez, Cindy, I, I'd ask you to throw me the whip, but I know you're not going to do it. You 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 let me down, but I'm I'm just, I'm not going to judge. <laughs> wow, we went from Karen Allen to Woody Allen. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Who knew? Okay, so how to recover from that? Uh, By not making a tasteless joke about Woody Allen in short round. Easy now, <laughs> easy now. So yeah. anyway, did you happen to catch Dan Aykroyd's cameo in the film, boys? I, I did. You know, it's only ten seconds. He's one of the people that's escorting them to their ill-fated, uh, he's Weber. ill-fated plane. He speaks yes. in a British accent. He has a mustache. Yes, it, it's done from a uh, it's done from a lawn shot. So even though the picture quality of the DVD is good, you can't like. And I'm sure in the Blu-ray it'll look better whenever that comes out. But um, right, whenever. Yeah, but I unless you really are big into trivia, there's no way you could pick up that Stan Aykroyd. There's no really big close-up or anything. Well, you got to remember Ghostbusters was also out that summer, so people saw a yeah. lot of Stan Aykroyd back then. Oh, and yeah. I do rem- I do remember the rumors that John Belushi, before he passed away, and Dan Aykroyd were trying to weasel their way into Return of the Jedi because wow. they were friends wow. of Carrie Fisher, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and and then Belushi unfortunately passed away, so he never got his chance to be in it. And you got to remember Spielberg appeared in the Blues Brothers as the clerk at the uh, yeah. tax assessor's office. So this was kind of like a tip of the fedora back and forth. So Spielberg was in Blues Brothers and. Half of the Blues Brothers appear in Temple of Doom. So I don't know if that was payback or, or how he got in there, but he's in there. He has Return of the Jedi. I don't know what you would, what you would put them as. Uh, oh, I knew where they would have gone. You know the Rancor Keeper? That would have been mm-hmm. Belushi. Oh, and then the fellow yeah. that comforts them would have been Aykroyd. But uh, John, <laughs> yeah. John didn't stick around for that. I always thought bad. that when I see that. I go, that was probably going to be Belushi. That's a good point. Wow. But anyway, we digress. Let's jump back on that Laoche Air Freight and head off for... Uh, Penko Palace. So the beginning, the first hour of this movie, you know, is a lot slower pace than the the second hour with all the action once they get to the actual uh, temple. But mm-hmm. I, I do have to say that some some of the cinematography you get in here is really great. Oh, it's gorgeous! Yeah, of the landscapes. And um, one thing of Temple of Doom, people don't point out enough, is how wonderful the score of John Williams is in this oh, particular God, yeah. picture. I mean, of course, he's great. Uh, in all the Indiana Jones movies, but in Temple of Doom, something seems extra inspired about it, whether it's the end credit suite where they go between uh, the Temple of Doom theme and the Indiana Jones theme and kind of bounce back and forth. The Children's Crusade. The Children's yeah. Crusade, right. Uh, yeah, it's very, very special. It's very, subtle. it's very subtle, like you said. There's that short run has that beautiful little theme that comes into play, like when Indy's up on the mountaintop looking at the little scrap of... Um, Oh, I can't think of it right now. The, 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 the villager child, the slave child, shows up with it, and he hands it to him. That's how he knows it's the Shankara Stones. And he looks at it, and you see Indy on the mountaintop, and then you hear Short Run's theme as he comes running up the side of the hill. And then when Indy makes the big choice to go and help the village, they do a pullback, and you'll see a, a shooting star come across the sky. Yeah. Yeah, there's like these little things that ILM would do, and then combine that with the music, and, and like you said, the, the, the filming of it. It's just grandiose. It's just gorgeous. You know, you see him on the elephants. You're like, wow, there's a movie I'm watching about a guy in a jungle riding elephants. Like a you know, Tarzan movie. It's this big adventure, you know, and the music just helps it so much. And you, you totally ignore Kate Capshaw with the perfume and falling in the water and all that jazz, you know? Although you, you, mentioned, you mentioned the Shankara Stones. I, I guess we ought to get into what Indiana, Indiana's big quest is in this film. I mean, the beginning part is escaping from... Shanghai, and they end up in a... Well, it's much like the first one. We get to see the tail end of, of a different indie adventure yeah. that then mm-hmm. brings us into the new adventure. Then he ends up, you know, escaping the plane and going to uh, India, but the Shankara Stones is something that... They don't explain it too well, but it's yeah. these three stones they have in their village. And uh, the... Was it the Thuggies? They took the stones... The th- Yes, sir. Yeah. And, and since the stones were taken, the village sort of all went to hell. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, food isn't around, nothing will, no crops will grow. Famine, plague, that kind of drought, all that stuff. Yep. Yeah, dogs and cats living together, the whole shebang. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that is a tougher sell for Western audiences, where 
the Ark of the Covenant, you know, a lot of people might know what that is or what the Holy right. Grail is. But the the Shankara, the Shankara stones, I think they could have explained that a bit more. And well, I they really are just a MacGuffin. I don't believe. Yeah. I I believe they're an invention of George Lucas. I don't think they're they're they they are out of Hindu mythology. Well, they're a takeoff of something that's again. I'm not an expert on Hindu mythology either, but there's a Shivalinga stones, which are supposed to be some type of sacred object or, or, or whatever. So it is a derivative of that, but there are no five stones that have diamonds in them that you put them together and they glow and you know, they take over the world and stuff. That is a little out there, because I always remember friends of mine, we'd see the film and we would be like, exactly how are these five rocks going to take over the world and you know, throw down the Christian God and the Hindu and the Hebrew God? You know, you're like, What's he going to do with this stuff? It, it's not like the Ark of the Covenant where you say, you know, whoever has the Ark before it will be invincible or whoever has the Holy Grail will live forever. There's a guy that has five glowing rocks, and you're like, again? How, how is that going to work? <laughs> and you're right. I think they kind of knew that going into it, and they don't play up the, the mystical power as much. They just kind of said, hey, let's just go for the all-out you know, Looney Tunes action and the, the, the whiz-bang type of uh, adventure because... You're right. The, the, the Shankara stones just don't grab you. The mystery of the Shankara stones, you're not enthralled by it uh, as a, maybe a Western audience or any audience in particular. But it's just, again, it's a MacGuffin. It's something that Indy's going after, and you just go with it. Now, during uh, one of the many fight scenes in this movie, Harrison Ford got pretty seriously injured. Yeah, he ruptured his disc, yeah. And in his back, he was actually out for six weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah, they shut down the production for three weeks, and then they had to shoot around him as he went for uh, an experimental back surgery. Um, I think it was called chymobacpate. They did something like an enzyme that they took from a papaya plant or fruit, and they dissolved the disc that was in his back so he wouldn't have to go for you know lengthy back surgery. But he had to recuperate. And it actually happens. You know the sequence when he goes back to his room after talking to Willie and the thuggy shows up and grabs him behind the neck and they yeah. start to fight? That's yeah. where he threw his back out. That mm-hmm. complicated to riding an elephant because I guess uh, an elephant's backbone isn't ergonomically situated for people to ride. <laughs> so he kind of started doing some damage to himself there and it just got worse as they went along. So while he's out recuperating... They filmed around him. They did as much as they could. And then they get Vic Armstrong, who's a fantastic stuntman, and he, he's got a new book coming out as well. He looks so much like Harrison Ford that he was mistaken for Ford by Spielberg. And even Ford would joke that they could go home to each other's wives and the wives wouldn't know who they were <laughs> because they looked so much. So a lot of the sequence you see, like the fight on the, uh, the Rock Crusher and a lot of the other things are... Vic Armstrong playing Indiana Jones shot from behind, and of course the fedora helps to cover the fact that it's not a Harrison Ford. So a lot of that movie uh, is Vic Armstrong as Indiana Jones, while Harrison Ford is slowly getting better from his uh, back operation there. Uh, one thing we talked about a lot during uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is about the exposition at the beginning. and this one, you don't really get the whole exposition about the uh, stones and sort of the mystery of who the thuggy really are until you have this sort of gross-out dinner scene. Yeah. Oh, everybody remembers that dinner scene. Oh, you got that. Well, The, 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 the <laughs> thing is about that dinner scene, because for, for, for those people who, who haven't seen it, you know, they're, they're, they're indie and, and short round and willy. They're being, they're being entertained. They're being entertained by this, this Hindu royalty, and they're having this, this meal, and it's all like the most crazy, disgusting... Foreign, what's meant to be foreign food. Right. I'm pretty confident ev- almost everything they bring out is made up because it's like live baby snakes and frozen monkey brains and soup made with eyeballs. Well, I wish I could say the monkey brains was fictitious, but I have heard that that's actually a real thing there, the well, monkey brain type of thing. Well, it's uh, funny. The the uh, actress uh, Mindy Kaling, who plays Kelly Kapoor uh, on The Office, yeah. she was interviewed on Fresh Air a few years ago, and her family's Hindu, and that uh, she was talking about that she you know she she was a kid the same time Matt and I were kids, and that you know grow, growing up the only thing anyone knew about Hindus was that they ate monkey brains like in, in Temp- Temple of mm. Doom that. That Temple of Doom is how most people at her school had been exposed to Hinduism, and what a weird circumstance that was. 
Well, I remember someone mentioning to me that a lot of Hindus are vegetarian, so it was odd that they were eating so many things that were meat. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like like snakes and monkey brains, and I don't know what bugs would be classified, but again, it's one of those Hollywood getcha moments, slapstick. And it does detract from the film. It's very odd, if you think about it. You don't see James Bond getting his mission from M, and in the background, Money Penny's doing a slapstick routine, because it would yeah. kind of be like, what are you doing here? Because you're right, they're so serious about who the thuggies were and you know they they slaughter people in the british uh rebellion and the british came and fought them back and they've been gone for a hundred years and all that stuff and so you're trying to focus on what's indy talking about but meanwhile <laughs> down at the other end of the table you got like the three stooges all rolled into one there we got eyeballs popping out of soups and uh, <laughs> snakes falling out and guys burping as they're sucking bug juice down it, it is really a weird tone going on there and in the seriousness of raiders of the lost ark is almost out the window at this point uh you know (laughs) you're like is this the same guy he's got the same clothes on so it must be the same guy oh and and, you know it's not just that i think the portrayal of india the only real other pop culture portrayal of india i can recall of is temple of doom was 84 the year before 83 you had a james bond film octopussy yeah uh, and part of that was in india and they have some uh I guess you'd call them racist jokes against Indians, but of course the history between uh, Britain and uh, India is a long and complicated one. I mean, I'm looking at the poster for Octopussy. This is ridiculous. It says, nobody does him better. You see Roger Moore. Behind him are all these women with like yeah. arms sticking up behind him trying to look like the, the goddess uh, Sheba. Yeah. Which, so that's offensive on a few different levels, potentially. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's really gross out. It's weird. It's almost like what I'm thinking, they must have been thinking when filming that scene, you know, exposition can be boring, and there's probably a lot of kids going to this picture. Why don't we entertain the kids with the eyeball soup? <laughs> well, that, well you, you mentioned a lot of kids going to that movie. That's another big problem with the Temple of Doom, yeah. so much the fact that when this came out, and I'll tell you, I remember this when it was on all the entertainment tonight and stuff, and it was in the newspaper, should kids go see the Temple of Doom? What is this? You know, is it suitable for nine-year-olds? Because it was a PG movie. And when uh, Spielberg and Lucas got their hand and footprints at Grauman's Chinese Theater when this film opened, they were speaking to the press. And, you know, Spielberg's response was, it's called the Temple of Doom, not the Temple of Roses. (laughs) So, you know, it it is a dark film, and it's got hearts getting ripped out and kids getting whipped. And then they were, like, putting it back on the parents, the ownership and the responsibility, saying, hey, you have to know your own kids to see if they're going to be able to take this violence because at that time ripping hearts out i mean that was that's rated r stuff that's the shining type of thing you know not a pg movie well and even then you it's not it's not as if you actually really see the heart get ripped out you see the fingers like pressing against the chest then it then it over the shoulder and then he's you know holding holding the heart i mean we're, we're not seeing the skin being torn we're not seeing the muscle and viscera and tendons we're seeing sort of the before and after of the person's heart being ripped out. Although I'll admit it, it is intense, but yeah, I, yeah. As, as a kid, I was both like horrified and fascinated by those scenes and just like, wow, right. that guy's evil. <laughs> you know, the, and then of course the, the guy lives and then he gets burned to death. That was so uh, horrendous oh. that uh, Spielberg had to ask ILM to go in and put some fire effects to like fudge it a bit because the little dummy that they used that they incinerated, it was so lifelike that when it started to burn, that was over the top. He's like, you can't do this. It looks like a real person burning up, so please cover that effect up a little bit because it's going to be too much, you know? And we talk, we can't talk about the Temple of Doom sequences without uh, praising Amrish Puri as Mola Ram. Yep. Even though, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, just the costume, his intense looks, he really sells a part that could have come off as silly or ridiculous, but he's terrifying... Oh, yeah. Almost no dialogue. And one thing I never noticed before watching it uh, just this past week for the show is I never noticed his headpiece had a shrunken head in the middle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I shouldn't boast like I knew that because I'm looking at the giant <laughs> statue here at my desk oh, from okay. Sideshow, and I could see it. I was like, wow, that's a shrunken head up there. What, what up with those horns and stuff? He is the Dr. No of the Indiana Jones series because you can talk about Belloc, you can talk about... Walter Donovan, you can talk about Spalco and the thing, but Indy never had a colorful, superior, strong Darth Vader. Aja, he, he, other than the you know the mechanic, the guys he fights like the you know the goons, he doesn't have a central villain 
that's so creepy and so spooky, like Molaram and any of the other films. I mean, he really is a comic book villain in the Indiana Jones uh, sagas, you know? I mean, but he, he did, it was played to perfection by Amrish Puri, who, uh, who was a star in India in his own right. And then after that film, from what I've read, he shaved his head and continued the rest of his career bald head because he had such success uh, and recognition like that. So he's like, hey, like he might as well. Yeah, he might as well go with it. People like to see him do this stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, you know, the, the Shankar stones might not be that, you know, interesting, but Molaram scared the hell out of you. He had those crazy eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just see them. You're like, whoa, what's up with this guy? So very, very great actor. Uh, I love on your site, theraider.net, you have all this interesting behind-the-scenes stuff you're pointing me towards off your Facebook page. But yes, uh, on Temple of Doom, you talk about some deleted scenes yeah. that were in the comic and in the novel. And had they yep. been in the movie, I think I could have swallowed the ending sequence a bit better. Uh, one of it, one of which, there's a big sequence where Harrison Ford is made to drink uh, some kind of blood. Yeah, the right? dark, the, the sleep the of black blood. Yeah. yeah. And he becomes possessed and evil, and a short yeah. round uses uh, something that gets caught on fire and uses right. it to snap him out of it. But it's like he just, in the movie it comes across, he just knows that's what to do. Right, no, in the comic book, in the uh, novelization, what happens is they're digging for the stones there, he and the other children, uh, some lava comes loose, like a little stream of it, and one of the guards gets burned, and the, the shock of the burn wakes him up from the dark sleep of the Kali or the black sleep of the Kali, so he wakes up like, what's going on? And then Short Round witnesses that, and that's how he knows that somehow if you burn somebody or some shock, it's going to wake them up. So, yeah, you're right, that's cut out of the film. And the abduction of Willie, which is actually a pretty cool scene, because this is where we find out there's more going on behind the scenes at Panko Palace than we thought. You see where uh, Indy is captured uh, when he steals the Shankar stones by the thuggies, and then Short Round and Willie are watching, and then the guy pops up, which is a great pop-up scare, as my kid oh, calls yeah. it. Yeah. And they get Short Round, but if you watch the film, you'll see Willie's running down the cavern, and he's on run, Willie, run. The comic book and the, the novel talk about that she gets back through the bugs, how she gets back through that temple with the spikes that closed down on him. I don't know, because now that I think about it, it was closed, and then he had to get his hat. Maybe it opened up again. I don't know. So she goes back to her room, and she's hysterical. And Major Bloombert, the British officer there from the Army, yep. he comes to her room, and he wants to know what's going on, and she's telling him the story about how there's this temple, and they just saw a sacrifice, and, and hearts getting ripped out, and Indian shorty are being kidnapped. And Chowder Lal, who's the prime, you know the fellow with the glasses? Yep. Who's played, Rosian Seth, who plays that, uh, the actor who plays him. He comes into the room and alludes to uh, Major Bloomberg that, or Captain Bloomberg, what am I thinking, that maybe Willie Scott picked up a bad habit, if you will, in Shanghai, and it's some type of pipe dream. Oh. So, you know, she's an actress, it's the 30s, maybe she's into opium or something like that. Yeah. Just, so there's kind of like, oh, she's crazy, she doesn't know what she's talking about, and that kind of puts... Bloomberg, you know, lowers his guard, so he's about to leave and stuff, you know. So they said, oh, Willie's just having a, a little pipe dream. She's a little crazy at the moment. So they dismiss the whole story that she tells him, which I thought was cool, because then it explains how Willie got caught, and, and it shows that Chatter Lala is actually in on it, too. So when you see him later on in the movie, he's, you know, at the, the next ceremony there, and she's being lowered into the lava pit. He's one of them. Well, there's also That's a third a, deleted scene you talk about uh, on your site, theraider.net, where at, uh, at the end of the movie, after they escape the temple, you see all the kids running outside of the building. And you think, well, why couldn't Indiana Jones and his friends just run out the way they came in? <laughs> yeah, go that way, right? <laughs> but I guess well, they're, they're there's a scene the movie. Where, yeah, but uh, I guess there's a scene where there is a bridge they would have had to cross across the lava, and it gets burned up. The lava, yeah. As yeah. the last kid tries to escape. And... Uh, they filmed that sequence. You'll see on the site there's pictures of that as well. That's what kills you about deleted scenes in Spielberg. Nowadays, when you go to DVD releases, there's so much deleted scenes, you can almost make another movie. Yeah. Here we are as fans of these films, and Star Wars included, that you know they're out there. You've seen stills of them. You've read the adaption, adaptations, or and you want to see them yourself, but they're not there. You know, it kills you. Like, maybe, can I just see it? Would it just kill you to show that 30 seconds? Where... And there's another fight sequence as well with Chatter Lau, who... 
you, you see him now. He pulls a knife out on Indy, and they fight a little bit, and he gets pinned underneath that uh, wheel, that crank that p- lowers the thing, in, uh, the, the, the crane into the lava pit. Well, he gets up afterwards, and you can see in the film he's staggering around a little bit. But in the comic, he pulls that knife back out, and he lunges towards Indy and Willie and Shorty, and he misses, and he goes right into the lava pit. Oh, so that's why you wow. don't see him anymore. I thought that was a great sequence, and again, we're talking seconds on film, but again, it made it to the cutting room floor, so we don't see his final demise. So that's another one that's not in the Temple of Doom final cut. And, uh, speaking of which, there's a classic sort of sequence near the end of the film where they're on the minecart, and that was meant to be a scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right, that was supposed to be uh, in Raiders when they were doing the whole you know, looking for the Ark of the Covenant and desert sequence there. And it was supposed to be, if I recall, in Raiders, uh, the minecarts cause a fire or a tent or something like that burns. But they took that sequence out, put it in Temple of Doom, and the other deleted scene that wasn't used in Raiders that made its way into um, Temple of Doom is the airplane. They had it where, as Indiana Jones leaves in Raiders to go off to find the headpiece of the Staff of Ra, that there's a German agent on board. You'll see him with the glasses. He's looking behind the Life magazine. Well, mm. all the passengers get off the plane, and they leave Indy to the plane, and that sequence shows up in Temple of Doom when the two pilots get off the airplane, and they leave Willie, Shorty, and Indy to fly the plane themselves, even though they've emptied the gas out. So that's another, oh, don't throw that out. We'll use that again later on in, in another Indiana Jones movie. So that's another scene that pops up. That is economical, and those are all great scenes. That that minecart sequence, particularly. Well, what, one of my great cinematic regret, uh, regrets is that I saw that on cable. I've never seen the minecart sequence in the theater. Oh, it was cool. It was like nowadays when you see films like um, what's the one that just came out? There's a 3D movie done by Zemeckis. Oh, the uh, Polar Express, where there's a sequence in there where the kids uh, are riding a train, if you will, and you go up and down. Uh, a roller coaster ride type of experience, and that if there was ever a time for 3D movies back in the 80s, that would have been a perfect shot. Would be to have your 3D glasses on as you're riding the mine car oh, through yeah. the, the tunnels there in the Temple of Doom, trying to get out. All the things coming towards you and that, that crazy jump. And you know what, guys? We talk about Raiders of the Lost Ark being so much superior to Temple of Doom. Does it bother you, no matter what time you saw it, whether you saw it first or second, that? It is kind of cartoony when you have, like, mine cars doing Dukes of Hazard jumps <laughs> and landing perfectly on there. And, and, of course, we mentioned the life raft earlier and jumping out of an airplane with it. W- were you ever taken out of the movie saying, well, there's no sense of danger in this. There, the, the guy's not going to die because, look at this, it's like watching Roadrunner and, and Wiley Coyote here. Yeah, a bit. I mean, even the introduction sequence with the uh, Asian gamesters at Lao Che, when they're laughing for like five minutes straight and twirling their mustache practically, it it does make it a little bit more difficult to, to swallow. And I think, I, I don't know, had they maybe had a, a really, cart- like an even more cartoonish villain in the beginning, maybe it would have been a little bit easier to swallow. But the stuff in Shanghai uh, seems a little bit more grounded than what you get later on in in the temple and with the uh, monkey brains and all that. But if they called it, I was I'm sorry. I was going to say if they called it Montana Smith instead of Indiana Jones, right? Would you have said, oh, this is not, this is a totally it's a comedy. This is not the same serious hero that was in that first film that I saw. Maybe I will say I watched uh, ten minutes of Jewel of the Nile on Netflix. Watch instantly uh, to compare to this, and um, Temple of Doom is a lot better than Jewel of the Nile. Uh, although those uh, Michael Douglas pictures are a bit more of a romantic uh, comedies right. anyway. Well, I just say my, my, my own experience, uh, of course the first time I saw this w- w- was a- as a kid, so I was looking at it with totally uncynical eyes, and I found it really thrilling, and I thought the characters were, were in danger. But now that as, I, as I've grown up, I still enjoy it, and as over-the-top as a lot of the stuff is, None of that bothers me because I understand that this movie is not as grim as Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I I understand this the the legacy of the old pulp magazines and pulp adventure heroes that inspired so much of the content of this film. Mm-hmm. None of that stuff really seems over the top for me because it is a genre that's meant to be a, just a little bit hackneyed and just a, and just a little bit over the top. Yeah, you you mentioned the pulp fiction stuff. They talked about. 
making more than just the three films. I know Spielberg and Lucas shook hands and said, we'll make three of these films, but there was talk at the time in the fan magazines, and I remember uh, distinctly they, they spoke to Harrison Ford. They said, you know, we heard they're going to make five more of these movies. And he joked they must be speaking to Roger Moore and not me. <laughs> because, I mean, you got to think, he just came off of Star Wars, three Star Wars films. He'd just done two Indiana Jones movies. He was going to get the title as Mr. Sequel, though they were successful. He was going to be the guy that's in all the sequels. You know, he's just one after another, after another, after another. So I always think, yeah, they could have kept going a new pulp adventure after another, like Doc Savage or a Tarzan. Uh, you could just pick up Indy and throw him somewhere else. But in the big spectrum of the thing, it kind of dilutes itself. I don't know how many of these adventure films you could really pull off and have the same quality. I mean, Temple of Doom is different from Raiders of Lost Ark, but it does stand in its own on its own feet. It's, it's a great adventure film. If you didn't see Raiders and you just saw Temple of Doom and that was your first introduction to Indiana Jones, I think you'd enjoy it immensely. I certainly do. Because it's, it's, a, it's a great movie. It's a cool movie. It's, you don't need Raiders. It's cool to have Raiders, but I think it is a very standalone type of story. You could just drop and show somebody that has never heard of Indiana Jones and said, here, watch this, and I think they'd enjoy it from beginning to end because it, it gets you involved in it and the, the rescue of the kids and the, the whole idea of the, uh, you know, the hero saving the day. It's a good movie on its own, let alone being a sequel or prequel. Um, yeah. You know, during Raiders, we talked about how, even though you have the Indiana Jones TV show and the comics and the books and um, the movies, it's not as much out there as Star Wars. And I was trying to think what TV show reminded me of Indiana Jones and there's a British TV series called uh, Sharp. Have you ever heard of it? It stars Sean Bean, who played Boromir in Lord of the Rings, and he has a big part on that new HBO show, Game of Thrones. And it's a series of historical adventure made-for-TV movies about a rifleman uh, fighting for England, serving in different countries in the 1800s. No, I never heard of it. He was also the bad guy in the Patriot Games with Harrison Ford as well. Yeah, but oh, yeah. and uh, Goldeneye, he's in that one, too. And Goldeneye, yeah, he's the guy that had no feeling. Is that what it was? He, his, his nerves were severed, he couldn't feel pain? You know, I think he was, like, double O, like, Double O nine, or, yeah, or whatever. That's it. Yeah. yeah, But uh, the series, the Sharp, is pretty interesting, but, like, it's something that you're better off renting than trying to buy, because they released each episode individually on a DVD. Oh, yeah. But, um... That's sort of a historical uh, adventure series that I think I would recommend for fans of Indiana Jones, not to get too off oh, topic. I'll have to definitely check that out. Thank you for just giving us uh, some more filler for the IndieCast and the sure. Raider.net. <laughs> there you go. That's, a couple, that's worth a couple episodes right there. Yeah. Hey, uh, okay. uh, did, did you ever see the uh, Alan Quartermain movies starring Richard Chamberlain? Yes, I did. Unfortunately, there's two of them. You yeah, know. one at Sharon Stone. Yes, and, and one has uh, James Earl Jones, and oh, okay. uh, it, I believe Salah's in one, John Reese davies i got to go back and check, but I'm, I'm thinking he's in one of those things. In fact, they even did an Alan Quartermain movie years later with Patrick Swayze and Allison Duty, who's hmm. uh, Elsa from The Last Crusade. So, Are those any uh, good or no? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, to answer your question. Uh you know, we talked about this a bit last week. There, there is a reason why there's a lot of films that come out and try to imitate Indiana Jones, and they just don't get it, or they just don't succeed why this film did. And like you could say, it is definitely a different tone than the first movie, but it still succeeded. It was the number three movie back in 84 behind you know Beverly Hills Cop and Ghostbusters. Indy still pulled a lot of money in. Uh, nowadays, it would probably be a weekend gross with $179 million in the U.S., but back then that was big bucks. But um, I can't think, if you're going to ask me if there's another series of adventure films out there that compares to this. Uh, wait a minute, uh, what am I talking about? Have we ever talked about The Secret of the Incas with Charlton Heston? No. Oh my. That basically is uh, Indiana Jones if he was made in the 50s. The His costume is similar. He's got the hat, he's got the leather jacket. He's got, uh, the shirt. he just looks like him. He plays a fellow, I'm going to say Harry Steele. I could look it up right on my uh, website here, the Raider.net. But what the secret of the Incas was, it was a, a fortune hunter, and he's hired, and they filmed this in Machu Picchu down, I'm going to say, Peru? I'm off base here. I'm just coming to that. But that's got to be the closest I can think of 
uh, being true to the Indiana Jones spirit and adventure and that type of quality of film and action and stuff like that 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 takes itself serious but not too serious. So if you get a chance, it's free. It's streaming on Netflix now. For years, you couldn't find it, and for mm. years, it was never acknowledged by Spielberg or Lucas because people would say, "Hey, you guys know that there's this Charlton Heston film that looks just like Indiana Jones? Did you guys know that?" And it was always like a dark secret, like don't talk about it. And you couldn't find it. And one night I just stumbled across, it was on the Late 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 Show here on ABC TV in New York. And it was a Saturday night and I was working on a college paper and I looked over and I go, hey, Indiana Jones is on TV. And you start to watch it, you go, that's not, in, that's not Harrison Ford. What is this movie? It, it just blew your mind. It would be like watching uh, a 1940s Star Wars with Darth Vader, the whole thing, but it was done by somebody else. And you'd be like, what? This, I thought that was the original. What, what are you talking about? So, yeah, if you want a guy out and seek an adventure film that's in the vein of Indiana Jones and almost looks like Indiana Jones, go out and get Secret of the Incas on Netflix. And well, uh, go on. Oh, I was saying, well, well, speaking of, of, of things that have, uh, that have, that have sort of you know, tr- tried, tried to go for the, the, a similar feel as Indiana Jones, there's also the, that librarian franchise. Yeah, we mentioned that last week with Noah Wiley. Those are actually yeah, pretty entertaining. They did two I, I of those, I think? Three. three of them. Oh, three. Wow, yeah. okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, in fact, they're here somewhere down in the Temple of Doom in my basement. Uh, <laughs> he looked for the... Uh, in fact, the Ark of the Covenant makes a cameo on there. And he looked for the Holy Grail. There's crystal skulls thrown in there. Uh, the even the, yeah, Even the place that Indy looked for in the, across the Coronado uh, in Utah is in the last librarian movie, the actual you know, scenery. They went there on location and filmed it when he was looking for a crystal skull. And that has Bob Newhart, so you know you're you're hitting your bat in a thousand if you got Bob Newhart playing yeah. the Marcus Brody character. But, yeah, those are really well done. But going back to Temple of Doom, fellas, how yeah, did we, we forget? We should, uh, we should wrap up Temple of Doom. I think we've talked a good amount about it and a good amount of uh, Indiana Jones-inspired uh, other TV shows and movies and things. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom is a movie I would recommend a fan to the series, certainly. I, I think it helps if you uh, maybe not watch it right after watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. The shift of tone is, is different, but as the Indiana Jones movies go on, they get a bit cartoonish, although never quite as cartoonish as Temple of Doom, although I do have people that would argue against me regarding uh, Crystal Skull, but that's for another episode. Uh, Thrasher? No, I would, I would certainly recommend this to people. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, just a tremendously fun movie. You just have to go into it realizing that you're going to have an experience very different from Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark. You're not going to be getting Raiders, but bigger and badder. Uh, you're, you're just going to be getting... You're going to be getting just a very fun Indiana Jones adventure. Or maybe not quite so much is at stake, but that's okay because you still care about the characters. Uh, Mitch, final thoughts yes. on uh, uh, it's, if you, it's like asking me to pick which one of my favorite <laughs> kids that I have. They're all, I love them all the same. Uh, I'll tell you what. When I was in 84, when I was a kid and I saw that movie, it was definitely not what I was expecting. When the lights came up, I walked out of the theater a little baffled by what happened because it wasn't a traditional sequel. But I didn't mind it. I liked it when I realized that they were just going to go for different adventures. And I was looking forward to seeing more of them, even though Harrison Ford didn't want to do five more. I was hoping he would. Because uh, it was a sense of quality from the dance sequence to the special effects of the time, of course, which were cutting edge. And it's so over the top. It's so entertaining. I remember my dad seeing it. And he didn't go to a lot of movies, but he just came out and said... Uh, it was very entertaining, you know. He, he got his. He got his. I think it was four fifty, back then at night for a, a movie showing. That's how much it cost four dollars and fifty cents. And he said it was very entertaining, and that was thumbs up from him. And everybody, like I said, loved it. It was called a Lollapalooza. I remember the review in the uh, New York Daily News by Rex Reed, the film critic, and it just says Temple of Doom is a Lollapalooza. Whatever the hell that meant. So, there you go. It's a it's a Lollapalooza, folks. Go out and see that, and you'll get. It's, your it's like Aloha. It can mean both a thumbs up and a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, or it's a rock tour. I don't know, but it definitely uh, it'll definitely wake you up. I've never seen anybody fall asleep during the Temple of Doom. That's for certain. Let's try to think if there's any last thing about Temple of Doom I want to bring up that we didn't cover. Uh, uh, let's see. Ripping hearts out. PG thirteen came about 13. because of this movie. 
people getting crushed under a giant wheel. Oh, child slavery. Oh, how can oh we not? yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. A- Child that's one of the big kind of evil things art. the thug you're doing. They're kidnapping children and forcing them to work in these mines. That yeah. is that is cruel. It's 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 like like the Nazis. Yeah. They're horrible, but like the third thing you'd say about them is Nazis, same thing with the thuggy. They're terrible murderers in a brutal brutalizing cult. But the, that's like the third thing you'd say about them. Child slavery just jumps right at you. I don't know yeah. if that really needed to be a part of this movie. Like I don't get offended by a lot of things. I'm not necessarily offended by child slavery. Uh, I don't know what that says about me. But <laughs> <laughs> keep my kids away from your house. <laughs> Make them do the dishes. Well, you, no. you had to give him a reason. But these guys are back. already pretty bad guys. You see them rip the hearts out of people and then do yeah, the reveal. Indiana, oh, and they're oh, bad to kids too. But Indiana Jones didn't want to go just because these folks had a bad crop that season. He's like, okay, well, you know, that's too bad for you. He was not sold on going to help them. I mean, the whole time they go, you have to save us. You know, they stole our children. He's like, yeah, okay, that's bad, but I got to get back to my university. It's not until that slave child who escapes comes to him and he's, you know, barely breathing, and he hands him the little scrap of uh, cloth that shows the Shankara stone legend. Then he gets, well, no, actually, I take it back. What am I thinking? He's looking for fortune and glory. We forgot to talk about that. Indiana Jones is not looking to put this in a museum. And this is why it's a prequel, guys. And this is why, if you look at it as character development, you could see this is the turning point for Indiana Jones. He stops becoming a grave robber, a treasure hunter, if you will, because at the end of the movie, if he wasn't in it for fortune and glory, as he says, he would have kept the rock, and it would be another rock collecting dust, and it would have given him his fortune and glory. But the heart of gold comes through again and he's a softy and he realizes that look this means more to these people magic or no magic than it does in a museum i mean it brought their village back to life if you will the crops started growing and all these kids are there and they're excited and they believe in this they believe in this the, the spirit of this rock and they ask him at the end you know now you see the magic of the rock and he understands it well is it because he can make an incantation and it bursts into flames and burns molaram or is it because it means more to these people than it does to him financially? Mm-hmm. So you see, you know, the Grinch's heart grows four times bigger, <laughs> if you will. And Indiana Jones becomes more of a human, uh, or more humane character, if you will, at the end of this movie. So if you want to put it in sequential order, yes, you have to start it off as the first indie movie to see the character change from a fortune hunter to somebody who's caring about more than the money and then in the next movie he wants to get the ark for the museum and then in the third movie they bang you over the head with it because he keeps saying it belongs in a museum and then we'll talk about crystal skull some other time but sure I think that's, happen- a, that's a perfect note to wrap things up on uh mitch thanks again for coming on the sequel cast We're looking forward to have you on next week to talk about indiana jones and the last crusade yeah my personal favorite and my dad's favorite as well can't wait to talk about it yep it's gonna be a good episode Okay, uh, see you next week, fellas. Bye. All right. Good oh, night, Uncle everybody. Milkshake. Uncle Milkshake, I did have a question. Yes. Uh, any updates on that uh, Jack Nicholson movie quotes contest? Um, oh, yeah. So back in our two Jakes episode, we had a Jack Nicholson movie quote quiz at the end of the episode. We've had no submissions for answers for the movie quote quiz. What was the question? Uh, it, what it was is Thrasher and I imitated Jack Nicholson for the entire episode, and we did different movie quotes from different movies done okay. as Jack Nicholson imitations. So it was something like 20 different uh, movie oh, quotes. Right. We went off, man. <laughs> yeah, it was quite quite the tangent-filled episode. But uh, Oh, all right. I thought it was one or two. I'd take a crack at it. Oh, no. but uh, oh, Well, you only need one or two if there aren't any other submissions. <laughs> all right, give me one of your best ones. Come on, Thrasher. You did Woody Allen. You could do a Nicholson for me. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm, let, me just, let me just try to pull up the right kind of uh, quote uh, for this here. Then Alexander wept, for he saw there were no more worlds to conquer. That it? Yep. Um, Reds? Die Hard. Die Hard? Remember when Alan Rickman is is quoting quoting that line? Yeah. But how, how, how yeah. Alexander the Great had uh, had 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 wept because he ran out of worlds to conquer. That was Jack Nicholson as Alan Rickman in Die Hard. Wow. Yeah, I can see why there was no submissions on this one. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep, yep, yep. I'll, I'll, I'll go think about that for a while. Okay. Okay. Until next time. Until next time. Until Indeed. listener, as we go quietly into the night. Uh, go check out the Raider.net and listen to the indie cast. It's the best thing you could do for you when you're waiting for the next sequel cast. There's nothing like the indie cast. Oh, yeah. Very good. There yeah. you go. Good night. Good night. Bye. See ya. Bye. The sequel cast airs Wednesdays, 3 to 4 p.m. Pacific time on Cascadia.fm online internet streaming radio. You can also download episodes of the sequel cast from www.sequelcast.com.